Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Today's podcast is an uplifting one, and I think we need some uplifting messages in these times. It starts with a tragic story, and Coach Brogan had to take over and lead the team after the former head coach, one of his best friends, was murdered in front of his own family. Very tragic in how Coach had to take over the program, but what he's done since has been exceptional. He's sitting on 370 wins, third all-time in Michigan high school football history, one of the highest winning percentages in Michigan football history. And this is one I just really enjoyed, Coach's approach to the game, how he's sustained success long-term, and I think there's something to take away, whatever level you coach at, whatever position you coach, there's something here to learn. I continue my discussions with state champions, and joining me today on the podcast is a 10-time state champion, Uh, did it twice as an assistant, eight times as a head coach, two in a row at Lumen Christie High School in Jackson, Michigan, Coach Herb Brogan. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you, Keith. Coach, uh, 47 years, uh, you've, you've seen a lot of things happen along the way, and I mean, we'll get, get into some of the details of, of you know, those, those exact things, but let's go back to the beginning for you. What were the things that really drove you to get into education and becoming a, a football coach? Well, Keith, I think uh, football is always really important to me. And I think that uh, one of the important things is at every level of my education, uh, elementary, high school, college, uh, my coaches were the most instrumental people in my life. Uh, you know, I went, uh, you, you go to college and you expect to see great professors and they're like, none of them could hold a candle to my to my coaches. And I, I just think I felt that... Uh, uh, as much of an influence as they had on me uh, and as valuable as I thought they were, it would just be a great path to follow. Coach, I remember those days when I made that transition from being a player to stepping out on the field as a coach. think you know a lot as a player, you know, having grown up with the game, et cetera, and you're going to be a coach, you're all excited. What were some of the things you found out right away that I have to get good at these things in order to succeed in the profession? Well, I think, uh, number one, I don't know if coaching's ever as good as playing the game, but uh, uh, I think that uh, for most of us, and I was uh, probably lucky in a sense that uh, 
I played a, a lot of different positions uh, over the course of, of my career, but a lot of us are pigeonholed either as a skill player or as a lineman or the defense player as an offensive player. So I think when you come into coaching, uh, you know, your, your knowledge is a little bit limited uh, to the positions uh, that you played. And so uh, there is an awful lot to learn. If you're a skill player, there's so much to learn in the offensive line in terms of technique and the, and the like. Uh, so, you know, your horizons are just, just have to be uh, a lot broader. And uh, I can remember uh, sitting as an assistant in the defensive backfield in practice with our head coach at the time. You know, and he told me, he said, wouldn't you love to come back and play knowing as much as you know now? And uh, it's uh, it's really the truth. Uh, uh, you know, your 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 knowledge of the game as a player uh, is is limited, and you find that out when you start to coach. Sometimes, coach, we uh, learn the most from mistakes we make. What's a mistake you made as a young coach, and what did you learn from it? Well, I, I think. Uh, you know, to me, the, the struggles that uh, you had as a coach is simply maturity. Uh, you know, I can't point to one specific instance where I say, "Boy, I really screwed up there." But uh, you know, you make you make a lot of decisions uh, when you're young that uh, you look back on and you just think, uh, you know, "Wow, uh, that that probably wasn't uh, a very sharp thing to do." I think you tend to be uh, a little bit more emotional, uh, you know, when you're younger. Although, you know, quite honestly, uh, anybody that, that watches us knows that I, I remain that way today. But uh, I think as you as you mature, you learn to manage your emotions uh, a little bit better and 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 use them a little bit more. They're they're probably not quite as raw as what you uh, what they were when you were young. Coach, you've been at Lumen Christie now for 47 years, going on 48, and. You know, before we got going, we we talked about whether you had taken that job earlier as as the head coach, and we'll talk about how that exactly happened in a second here. But you you would be there regardless. That it's a great place. Um, it's not something you see a lot of today. I think you know in, in coaching that there's there's guys who are going to bounce from job to job and uh, maybe even chase a title to do that. How does a, a coach today in this world? I guess. Find a situation where, that he can have that like you, that he can really go to one place and grow and uh, continue to develop in the profession and even eventually become the head coach. Uh, I, I think it's just important to find a situation uh, that you're comfortable in, a situation uh, whether uh, uh, where you're treated right you know, by the administration if you're a head coach, you're treated right by the head coach. Uh, if you're an assistant, uh, you know, you like the kids that are there. Uh, you know, I think a good situation is more important uh, than a title. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, our, our assistant coaches at our place have great impact uh, on our kids. And, and in a lot of cases, you know, they're working more closely with their position kids than, than what I am. And their impact on those kids is greater than, than uh, what mine is. So I, I think... Uh, it's just important that you look to find satisfaction in the job that you're doing and knowing that it's not necessarily uh, better uh, at the next level. Uh, uh, I've always been you know, thrilled to be a, a high school coach. I've never had a desire to, to be a college coach and, and uh, to, you know, to move up the ladder. I, 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 you, know, you look at so many places and a Division three coach is, is – uh, 
you know, just working his ass off because he wants to become a Division Two coach, and a Division Two coach wants to become a Division One coach. And I, I think the danger in that sometimes is that uh, uh, when that's the case, we start to use kids for our own advancement. And uh, uh, some of the, you know, some of the stories you read and stuff, I think, are examples of that. And uh, I think it's something that uh, you got to watch out for a little bit. On the flip side of that, Coach, I think you'll agree that uh, as a head coach, you want that consistency. You want those guys to remain a part of your family, and and uh, it's important to your program. You see that you're able to, over a long course of time, sustain success because of those same guys being there with you, and you're, you're learning and you're growing to, together. So how does a head coach out there who wants to create that kind of place where his, his guys can feel that they could stay and it's better than chasing a title. What things does he need to do as the head coach to make sure that um, he has that kind of program? Well, you certainly got to make your, your guys feel comfortable, and I think that uh, you've got to give them uh, uh, responsibilities. You know, if we go back in, you know, the way I learned uh, 47 years ago was uh, the head coach did uh, did everything. Uh, I know what Jim Crowley did, and when I took over, I called every offensive play. I called every defense on every, on every play. Uh, you did it all. And uh, today, we've got an offensive coordinator and a defensive coordinator, and sometimes I think to myself, you know, what do you, what do, you do, period, <laughs> other than organize when we, when we go to flexibility and, and when we break up, uh, because uh, we've given our guys a lot more responsibility. But I think... Uh, Good coaches want responsibility, and, and when you give it to them, uh, they're going to do a better job for you than uh, uh, than what they've done before. And you know, I, I think that uh, uh, you know every. I don't agree with every play that our offensive coordinator calls, but that's his responsibility. And uh, you know, if you're going to question what the, what they're going to do, then you shouldn't have given him the job in the first place. I, I believe your offense coordinator is your son, correct? Uh, one of my sons is the offensive coordinator. Yeah, he is. <laughs> <laughs> so if I criticize him too much, I've got to answer to his mother. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Taking a step back and and uh, talking a little bit about the circumstances and the tragedy that elevated you to the position of, of head coach. Can't imagine that that would be an easy thing to do. Longtime friend of yours, and then you're you're tasked with. I can't imagine not just from a personal standpoint, but, you know, all the boys in the program and the things you had to, uh, to do to take those things over. How do you move on and, uh, and do something like that when, you know, and, and for our listeners, uh, um, your, your head coach at the time was, um, was murdered in his own yard. Just a tragic situation, but something that uh, you're tasked with picking up the ball and, and moving on towards the goal. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was really hard. Uh, you know, I played uh, when I was at St. Mary's. Jim Crowley was coaching at St. John's, and so I had competed against him. Uh, went away to school, came back, and uh, the the two schools had been combined, and Lumen Christie had been built, uh, and so I, I hired on there, and and he just. Uh, uh, you know, he, he treated me great uh, for nine years. I, you know, I learned more from him than than probably any other coach I've uh, uh, been associated with. And as you mentioned, uh, he had picked his daughter up from ice skating and come home, and he got uh, approached in his, his yard in a robbery attempt and got shot and killed. And uh, I mean, it, you know, we still talk about that night uh, to this day. It was and it was brutal. And then you make. 
things probably a little bit more difficult that following year uh, his uh, son was going to be a senior on the football team. So it was just kind of a, a constant that was there every day with us. But, uh, I mean, uh, you know, you, you hear the thing, you know, the one thing about life, it happens. And uh, you, uh, we've got to, we have to move on. And it was a really difficult situation. But, uh, you know, our, our community, I thought, uh, you know, really bonded together and, and gave me uh, an awful lot of support and and our other coaches on staff and the kids. And, and uh, you know, we eventually worked our way through it. And Coach, obviously this has been a special place for you going into your 48th year right now. I, I believe I, I read you're 67 years old. I mean, certainly you could be out on a golf course and, and playing golf all day, but uh, you stay at it. Um, and the other thing I, I, I read about you, I don't know if this is true or not, but as the legend goes, Coach, you've never missed a, a, a weight room workout um, in the time you've been the head coach. <laughs> I wouldn't probably go that far, but I, <laughs> I, have, not, I have not missed uh, very many. Uh, as, as we talked you know, prior to the uh, interview starting, that's uh, kind of uh, the cornerstone uh, of our program. And, uh, you know, I, I believe in – training uh, the kids I believe in training myself so I you know I, I said this to uh, in an interview one time before and I had a coach or the interviewer tell me I've never had a coach tell me this before and that is I've told him I enjoy the off season uh, every bit as much as I do uh, the end season uh, I really enjoy uh, training the kids uh, working with them uh, in the weight room uh, I think uh, that's a, a critical time in terms of getting to know each other, creating bonds, uh, uh, pushing hard, working hard, laughing, you know, making fun of each other a little bit. Uh, uh, I, I just think that uh, that the whole culture and atmosphere is formed in the off season, and it's a part of the job that uh, uh, I've always enjoyed just as much as as the season itself. It's definitely a time that you can build those relationships. You know, everybody talks about building a culture today, and um, it's a it's a great opportunity. Now you see this transition. I think um, to uh, schools having uh, the strength and conditioning coach, and I think that's good. I mean, obviously, there's you know the guys out there just like you'd hire someone to uh, to run your offense and defense because they you know they they study that and are intense with that. And, you know, there's guys out there being certified as strength and conditioning coaches, and they can bring a lot in terms of, of you know, those workouts. But I think, especially at the high school level, even if you had that guy running it, it's so important to be involved with those guys at that time of the year. And, I mean, I'm sure, sure you support, you know, the multi-sport athlete, but for those other guys, like you said, it's it's a chance to build those bonds. And, and really, it's, it's the heart of, I think, where – culture is is developed we we can create some competitiveness we can do all those things but it's the working together and the relationships i think are the cornerstone of of everything we're going to do well i think one of our coaches and our kids were talking and, and when they talked about our culture and, and what's the base of that and and one of the kids said we suffer together and uh, you know i i think it's it's critical that uh when you're working out uh there is uh an element of suffering there and, and that uh, uh, the, you know the kids themselves had to do it, but they see their teammates uh, doing it uh, as well, and they've got to be there for each other. And, you know, we just have a rule whether we're running or whether we're lifting or whatever. Nobody ever goes down. Uh, your hands are never on your knees. 
Uh, you're not going to lean against the fence that uh, if uh, uh, you are having trouble staying up, the only thing or the only thing you can do is lean on a teammate, and that's. Uh, uh, you know, I, I think that's a kind of a common uh, bond that we share. That uh, uh, you know, you're not going to go down by yourself. If you got to go down, you're going to go. To, you're going to, you know, one of your teammates is going to keep you up. And so, uh, uh, you know, that's that's one of the things we really try to emphasize. Coach, I saw that in the state championship game, you guys had uh, 517 yards on the ground, and the run game obviously is, I think, very closely related to the work you're doing in the weight room. Um, and, you know, just looking at that and the offensive side of the ball, um, what what kinds of things are you guys doing that uh, to hear anybody at any level run for that many yards is is just you don't hear that very often. It's unheard of. Uh, what are you guys doing that uh, on offense that um, creates that uh, that much explosiveness in the run game? Well, we number one, we've got a, a great uh, line coach uh, in, in Dan Horn, who does a, a super job with the kids in terms of scheme and and uh, his relationship with them uh, and the like. But again, as you said, it goes back to the work that uh, we do in the weight room, and and I think one of the great things that that Dan has done is he's made it really great to be an offensive lineman. You know, I think. Uh, in a lot of programs, uh, that's the position you know of least choice. We want to be a skilled player first. If we've got to be a lineman, we want to be a defensive lineman. Uh, one of the things that's uh, happened in our place is that uh, you know it's uh, it's re- really great to be an offensive lineman, and you know they're going to have. Uh, 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 T-shirts uh, uh, made up that they're going to do themselves with uh, the offensive lineman. I try to make it, uh, and I started this maybe seven, eight years ago, uh, a special point that when we're in our summer workouts, when we finish in the weight room, we're going to do our running and our conditioning. Uh, I take the offensive lineman, and I I condition them uh, separately from uh, the rest of the team. And, uh, uh, you know, we do that just to kind of reinforce that bond and, and in a way, uh, try to make them uh, feel a little bit special and, you know, maybe giving them extra hard work is not the best way to make them feel special. But, I, you know, they, uh, I think they, they feel a great amount of pride uh, in being that. And, and our, 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 we've had some really good backs over the last few years. And, and those kids have consistently, you know, and when they get interviewed after a game, pointed to the offensive linemen and as the reason for their success. So uh, I, I think that, uh, you know, the pride factor just is just a really big part of it to show those guys a little bit of extra attention because they're playing the position that probably gets the least amount of attention uh, of any of any place else in the team. So uh, if you can go out of your way and, and make a point of making them feel, feel special, uh, I think it's going to pay dividends. We talked about player development being a big part of this for you. And you mentioned a group you had. Uh, they kind of, you know, your story you share with me also points out the expectations, I guess. But a group you had that, you know, as young guys, they were not finding the uh, W column much. But you were able to take them to the to the point where they were in the semifinals as seniors. Talk about the importance of, of you know, developing guys over the course of time it, as opposed to, you know, I know we live in an, on, an on-demand society, you know, instead of finding the quick fix of working to develop guys for the long haul. Well, I, you know, it starts uh, as 
soon as you get them, whether you know whether you have access to them as seventh or eighth graders, or whether you have access to them uh, as ninth graders, uh, you've got to spend time uh, with the younger kids. Uh, you know, we do our best to project, uh, you know, who's going to be playing where, and that's certainly an uh, in, inexact in, in science. But you know, I, I think uh, your running backs and, and your skill kids. Uh, probably don't need as much work uh, as, uh, you know, your beefier kids that probably don't have quite as much uh, athletic ability. Uh, so, you, you know, we really spend a lot of time in, in trying to, to develop uh, linemen on, on both sides of the ball. We certainly spend time, you know, with our quarterbacks throwing and, and our route runners and, and uh, uh, you know, trying to teach them the right way to, to do things. But, uh, you know, at the high school level, uh, your great athletes are going to be great athletes, uh, whether they have uh, great technique or not. But uh, you know, your 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 alignment type kids are the ones that you really got to develop into players. With that being said, coach, in the example you shared with me, um, you know, what was it in that group taking them for from a group who really struggled as young guys all the way to a group as seniors who was in the state? semifinals uh you know in that specific example what what were you able to do to i guess bring those guys to the level of, of you know the expectation that you, of of what's going to happen at lumen christi well part of it was developing the class behind them <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but uh you know it's just uh never lowering your expectations uh you know when when kids struggle uh and, and you know, i try to tell our younger levels uh that You know, everybody wants to win, and we want you to win, but it's it's not that important uh, at the lower levels. It's important that you're getting better. You know, I always tell the kids that if having an undefeated JV season was really critical, then we wouldn't have any sophomores up on the varsity. Uh, And so we we try to reinforce to them that uh, on the younger levels that it's a learning experience, you know, we're certainly going to coach hard. We're certainly going to try to win, uh, win ball games. But I think it's it's really important how you approach those kids after losses rather than than after wins because uh, you don't want them to to be discouraged. You always want to hold out uh, some light at the end of the tunnel. You know that uh, if they keep uh, uh, if they keep working hard, that they're that they're going to get better as long as the effort's there. Yeah, I, I think. Uh, uh, at those lower levels, coaching efforts are uh, one of the most important things that you can do. And I know I agree with you there, Coach, uh, that, that being positive with them, always making sure that, uh, that they're keeping their eyes focused on something bigger is so important. Um, but, you know, as we were talking before the interview, uh, you, you pointed out the uh, necessity today to, to really not be afraid to to go out there and challenge kids. I think we, in a way, have, I don't know, I don't want to say we become soft as a society, but at the same time, I don't see our, our young people being challenged as much because it seems like there's backlash for everything. So uh, talk a little bit about the importance of not, not being afraid to, to ask those guys to step up. Well, I think that's another reason that, you know, the, the weight room or whatever is so important because you've got to develop individual relationships uh, with the kids. They have to be able to trust you. Uh, like you say, with, you're afraid to make a mistake uh, in public or in cell phones anymore in a lot of professions, whatever, because uh, you know, you're going to be held up and, and instantly people are going to be calling for your head. Uh, you know, so it's, it's much more of a challenge 
uh, how you react to kids. I think from a coaching standpoint, uh, I, I mean, I grew up playing and, you know, for the first 10 to 15 years of coaching, you grew up in a culture where it was great, it was fine to grab kids, it was okay to grab face masks and shake helmets, and and uh, there was never there was never a problem with that. It was almost expected. Uh, you know, if, and if you did some of the behaviors today uh, that you did back then, uh, you're going to get fired. And uh, it's not that it was great back then and bad now. It's just that the expectations of society have changed, uh, and and you you've got to learn to you know to live with that and and to live with those changes. I think a, a, a huge issue is is you know technology and and I always say that uh, uh, you know too many young kids want to uh, sit in front of a, a video screen and and pretend they're players rather than being outside and, and becoming players. And so uh, it becomes a challenge because you don't have access to a lot of those kids at, at a real young age, and and uh, they're not exposed a lot of times to hard work uh, like they were before. But you know, my experience has been that they will respond, uh, and I think one of the the things that makes our job easier is that people know when they come into the program what the expectations uh, are. And it doesn't mean you don't have kids that are going to fight it and, and you're going to have kids that are lazier than other kids. But uh, if you can get your – if your leaders buy in and, and uh, uh, you know, you've got coaches that are around and, and pushing kids, uh, they're going to respond today uh, like they've always responded. Uh, I, I've never uh, found, uh, you know, kids that just refuse to work hard. And when I say that, that doesn't mean – you're not going to have a class that that doesn't work nearly as hard as the next class. But you know, I'm, I'm talking generalities here now over a, a five or ten year period. Uh, if uh, if you've got relationships with kid and win kids and winning is important to them, uh, they they will work hard. But uh, uh, they're not you know they're not going to work harder for the most part than what your expectations are. You know your best kids will, but uh, you've got to set the bar high. Uh, if you want, uh, uh, if you want the majority of kids working hard, coach, uh, having been a coach for 47 years and seen a lot of changes along the way, I'm sure you're you're at least a little concerned about the future of the game and the way people are attacking it, and even some of the responses that we're seeing. For example, I just read a newspaper article today where school system in Chicago or uh, near Chicago canceled tackle football and replaced it with flag football as the answer to diminishing numbers. Um, you know, with the challenges we're faced today in the game, what do you see as, as some of the answers of, of what we need to do to keep this game strong and, and keep young men playing it? Because obviously we believe in the, in the importance of it as a vehicle for, for teaching them success to, that's going to reach into other areas of their life as well. Uh, you know, I, I think the the threats that they're constantly talked about are, are simply overblown, and, and I'm, I really believe that. I mean, I grew up in a generation with uh, a lot less safe equipment, uh, a lot more physical rules, uh, and everybody played the game. And if you were to listen to what's going on today, then everybody my age should be walking around like babbling idiots, uh, and uh, and they're not. Uh, you know, I think there's a real danger. When you play, 
junior high school and you play high school and you go to a major college and you play 13 games a year at that level and then you go to the professional level and you're playing 20 games uh, a year against the best, fastest athletes in the world at the level you need to compete against, then obviously the dangers of, from concussions and like are going to be increased and uh, and increased at a, at, a, at a much higher level. And I think that's one of the reasons those guys get paid so much. But uh, for people that come up through high school football, to me, the benefits just simply outweigh uh, the risks that are involved. Everything is headed in the right direction uh, in terms of safety. But to me, the challenge is, is not so much uh, the dangers as how those dangers are portrayed. It's it's just much easier uh, for a journalist to stand up and criti- criticize the game and the way it's played and the dangers than it is to give a reasoned, uh, you know, response or look to to, to what's going on. Uh, you know, even uh, with uh, the CTE and the like, uh, you know, you have ex-football players that are that their brains are examined. But uh, what other groups uh, are examined? Are basketball players, or hockey players, or garbage men, or, or, or the like? Uh, you know, uh, what's the relationship to the general population? I. I just uh, I just feel uh, that the dangers are overblown, the risks are, are, are overblown, and the benefits are, are understated. But regardless of, of what you feel, uh, you're dealing with reality. And the reality is uh, there's going to be a lot of negative stories. There's going to be more negative stories than there are positive stories. So uh, on the local level and within your schools, you just have to work hard to make sure that people are seeing the benefits uh, of what you're doing. I can tell you in our varsity program this year, we had two concussions. And both of those concussions were kids driving home from practice and hitting the deer on the way home. Uh, and so uh, there are ways to manage the risks. Uh, we are big into neck training. You know, We've got four neck machines in our weight room. We've got five or six different shrug machines. Um, we do the best we can to uh, you know, keep our kids uh, safe. We're not going to expose them to any extra hitting in, in practice and the like. And uh, you just have to you have to be an example, I think, of the way things are done right. Uh, I know on, on on one of your podcasts, and this is something that that we've tried to start a, a conversation on a county level with uh, some of the the youth groups. Is I mean, one of the coaches down in Ohio had. Uh, and the other young kids in third or fourth grade uh, play in equipment, uh, but yet still yep. play flag football. Yep. And I think that's a great idea. And then one of the reasons I, I say that I've got two grandsons that are in second grade right now, and they will be eligible to play uh, in tackle football next year, and they're both really looking forward to it. But, I mean, when you look at those kids and how young they are and how immature they are, and you know what those kids are anxious to do. They're not anxious to get out there and just drill somebody. They are anxious to put the uniform on. Yeah, That's that's what they want to do. And so to me, uh, the whole idea of putting them in that uniform and yet limiting contact when they're young, I, I think is a, an outstanding idea and one that uh, we've talked to our youth guys about and I would like to see pushed, uh, you know, uh, at the county level uh, here as well. 
Yeah, definitely, Coach. And for our listeners out there, if you're looking for that episode, it's Mike Elder at Avon High School uh, in Ohio, where we talk about that. Uh, I think there's a couple other episodes, uh, possibly uh, our talk with Rich Wright, who's the head coach at Northwest Missouri State. Uh, I think we we mentioned that in there as well. Um, but, Coach, uh, last question for you. 47 years, you've had a lot of success. You guys do some great things. If I say, Coach, you know, pick the one thing. Uh, that really makes a difference in your program and helps your players find the winning edge. What would that be? I, I think it's I think it's our overall work ethic. How we approach how we approach work, uh, work hard with enthusiasm. Uh, you know, you don't want you don't want to beat your kids down. You want them upbeat uh, when they're working hard. Uh, the heart and soul of our program. Uh, is the weight room. Uh, that's uh, I, I felt that uh, from from day one. I still feel it uh, today, and uh, uh, that's that's you know that's the be- that's the best advice I can get is get your kids in there, get them strong, get them working hard, run them hard, and, and have fun while you're doing it. You know, you, you can't be a drill sergeant. Uh, you you've got to be uh, uh, you got to be uh, uh, you know a relationship builder as well but uh work hard and have have fun doing it coach i appreciate you taking the time thanks for all you do for the game and being a leader out there for uh coaches uh for our coaches out there who are interested in getting in touch with you i don't think i found you on social media but what's the best way to get in contact with you (laughs) yeah you're gonna have a problem there i uh Quite honestly, I, you know, to sh- show you how bad I am with technology, I don't even have a cell phone. Uh, <laughs> three weeks ago, three weeks ago, my wife gave me her old cell phone, and I had it for a little while. I thought this isn't all that bad, and right now I have no idea where it is. I've lost it. <laughs> <laughs> but probably the uh, best way to get a hold of me is email. Uh, it'd be, it's uh, hbrogan10. That's the number one zero. Uh, hbrogan10 at hotmail.com. Coach, uh, again, thank you for taking the time. Thanks for being here on the podcast, and good luck to you and, and your team in 2018. Thanks very much, Keith. I appreciate you having me. Thanks again for listening to the Coaching Coordinator Podcast. Stay tuned for news and new episodes coming soon. And follow me on Twitter at Coach K Grabowski. Check out our new website for the podcast, coachandcoordinator.com.